Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. I'm Christophe Mallet, and I'm your host for this episode. And this week, we have a special guest. But before we uh, reach to him, uh, let me remind you that you are able to uh, download or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral, from our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Uh, joining me as a co-host today is the great Pat Show. Hi, Pat, how are you? Yes, it's great to be <laughs> here. And we are very privileged, actually, to have... Uh Kundekort, professional rider for Trek Segafredo, teammate of uh, Contador for this season. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. You've been with us uh, on the telephone, but today you are here physically in our studio in Australia. Uh, so welcome to Australia. Yeah, thank you very much. I, I believe it's a country you like particularly. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've been coming to Australia already for uh, quite a long time. Back in 2005 was my first time here in the country. Uh, my uh, teammates at the time, Aaron Camps and Alan Davis, uh, they uh, convinced me to spend an off-season in Bundaberg. Okay. And, well, how uh, was that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, I, uh, I I liked the I liked the cycling scene there. It was a it was a good cycling scene. Uh, obviously, some really good riders coming out of there, and it it was nice to uh, to spend a few off seasons there. And then uh, I found love in Melbourne, and okay. uh, I eventually married. Uh, a, That's why girl. you're here. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, you had an, a brilliant year with, with uh, Trek. We spoke to you, as I said, uh, when um, Alberto Contador retired at the Vuelta. But uh, we're gonna have to talk about this again. That was such an amazing moment to see in front of our screens. How was it for you physically to do some so much work for him? And then to see how much the, the, the Spanish population, the Spanish crowd was just behind him. Yeah, it, it was really uh, unbelievable how it, how it all happened there. I mean, we knew that uh, Alberto was going to be good and, and that it was going to be his last race. So we all expected something special. And, uh, and to see a lot of uh, people crazy uh, for, for supporting him and uh, crazy for him on the side of the road. Uh, but uh, yeah, it definitely exceeded all our expectations. We, uh, we needed basically four or five a policeman uh, at the bus because otherwise it was just not possible. They were pushing over barriers, uh, pushing over our bikes even. If, uh, every time Alberto <laughs> went out of the bus, it was uh, a noise like in a stadium. It, it was absolutely insane. I must say, like, uh, Pat knows this, but that's the first time I've followed the Vuelta from start to finish. Uh, and I was impressed by how crazy the crowd can be compared to the Tour de France. Well, and the emotion too is just yeah. emphatic. The Spanish fans, particularly for their, their domestic riders, so uh, obviously Valverde and... Um, but Contador being his last race, and you could feel that emotion in the race, and particularly on the final day in Madrid, where he was waving good, you know, basically bye to the to the, the spectators and the and the fans of cycling, not just exclusively the Spanish fans, because we know Contador has such a great following, including myself. I, was, I had my <laughs> cards on him to get the podium in Madrid and just fell short. But what's it feel to be part of it? Because I know that uh, you've got a special relationship.
relationship with uh, Contador since coming to Trek, and it's uh, must be great to have shared his final race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, my work in the, in the past few years has always been for a sprinter. So what I've been doing is to, is mostly uh, leadouts for sprinters or, or in the classics. Uh, I've worked obviously with Tom Dumoulin before, so I've done some uh, some work for a GC rider. But this was the first time uh, this year in the Tour de France that I really got to, to work with uh, with a big GC uh, captain like uh, Alberto, and it uh, it was interesting. I had to get used to it a little bit, you know. Uh, I was uh, accelerating way too fast out of the corners, so, you know that sort of stuff. He, it, it takes uh, it takes a little bit of time for these sprinters to uh, to get up to speed. Um, but obviously, going uphill, uh, yeah, I can go as fast as I want, and he's still, <laughs> still <not> uh, easy. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it took a little bit of time, but then once we got to uh, to the Vuelta, I really got used to the role, and uh, and Alberto got used to me, and uh, I think uh, the communication went really well. Um, he often told me what his plan was for the stage, and uh, and then I made sure that all the other riders on the team knew the plan and uh, and knew what they had to do. And I think in the end it was it was really good to be there and, and to race with him and and for sure to have for him to have that sort of confidence in me was was really special. Can you tell us about uh, how that decision was taken for him to to retire? Because when at the Tour de France there I, I was there, there was this rumor that oh Alberto signed for another year, he's gonna go for another year, maybe last Vuelta, maybe not the Tour de France. There were a lot of rumors going on, and then this dropped that it was gonna be his last tour. So how did that? I mean, do, were you in, involved? There was some discussion as part of the whole team? Uh, no, actually, I was quite surprised when I heard that he was going to retire. Uh, to be honest, I also thought he was going to do another year. That that rumor obviously also got to me. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, I, I did notice that during the tour, uh, he, he had a couple of crashes and, and he was he was pretty down after that. He was feeling really good before the tour, he said. He was getting really good values uh, on his power meter. But then uh, yeah, it just didn't work out. And, and I had the feeling that... For him, that that was a moment where he thought, okay, for years I've been working so hard, and first I had a team where not all, not all my teammates were on the same page, and especially the management wasn't really behind him, and uh, now he was finally on a team where where he was the leader and everyone was working for him, but then he had a few crashes, and it just all wasn't working out and wasn't going his way. So I think then after the tour, he took that decision and. Um, when I heard it is when everyone else heard it. So uh, it, I actually have to say uh, that was surprising for me. Quite Absolutely. fascinating, really, because he's such a fighter and that's yeah. what is his best characteristic to the fans at home. But at some point, the resistance that's going against you, everyone uh, says enough's enough. And uh, Do you know, when I, was at the tour, when I was at the tour, I spoke to um, Vaucler as well about it. And then you, you, you went through his mind going... The Tour de France is starting pretty much on your doorstep next year. Why are you quitting this year? And he said, you know what? When you've taken the decision in your head, you've taken the decision in your head, and then that's finished. Yeah, and, and look, they don't owe anything to the sport. You know, they've given everything. And at some point, uh, as far as their careers, they've probably been somewhat selfish in, in certain ways. But uh, when they end their career, they need to be selfish for themselves and think about their future and also their, their health as well because mm -hmm. it's only so long you can continue to have these severe crashes because Alberto in the past three years had some real rippers. Before that, not too much, but in the last three years. So it's it's crazy. But, Kun, uh, how does now having that support role with uh, Contador, a GC rider, do you think that helps you in your career as well? Because now you're not sort of that single-arm lead-out man, that's your thing, and classics. Now you've actually had that experience. It's a bit like going and doing a new apprenticeship. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I already had a bit of the feeling going to track uh, Segafredo from, from Giant that I had to prove myself again because, obviously, 
obviously I was such a long time with the same team for eight years. Uh, in that team, they all knew what I d what I could do, and it it was more a bit of being in a team, being uh, sort of comfortable, and uh, but I still wanted to show uh, the rest of the world, like more people, what I can do, and then going to another team where I had to convince all the directors, all the other writers of my worth, and. Um, in the beginning, uh, I feel like the team really had the idea, like, oh, uh, Kuhn is coming along as a, as a mate of John Degenkolb, uh, they're, they're coming oh. together, and uh, and we'll see, you know, how we can use him. But I think pretty quickly I, I convinced them that uh, that I can do more than uh, being a good mate of one rider and, and doing a lead out here or there. And and actually, I surprised myself. It gave me a lot of motivation to work extra hard and and to do even more for the for the sport, but also for the team. And uh, and as you said, not just for the classics or the sprints, but also for GC riders. And uh, it seems that the team's really happy, and and I'm definitely happy with how the season went. Yeah, well, 95 race days by the end of the season, probably or close there too. 95, Pro I think. Yes. Yeah, it'll speak pretty big <laughs> volumes of uh, that you've had a great year and obviously have uh, looked after yourself with your physique and health as well. If you had one highlight, and it can't be the uh, anything else, but about anybody else, or so no contador yourself, one highlight of your season. Um, it's it's a difficult one. There's a few uh, uh, good moments, but I have to say one highlight. It's just, uh, stage 19 in the Vuelta. Um, Alberto uh, Contador came up to me at the start, and uh, yeah, there was a breakaway with two riders from our team in the in there. And uh, he said to me, "Okay, Kun, I want to uh, jump across on the on the last climb." So when we start on the climb, you go full gas and you ride until you die. Okay. <laughs> uh, Obviously, you didn't die, but <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't literally die, but uh, I felt like it uh, at one point. Uh, we started the climb and I just did a lead out like I normally do for a sprint, and uh, somehow Alberto was still on my wheel. And then he continued the rest of the climb. We had one one of our t teammates, uh, Edward Tones, wait, and uh, eventually it it didn't uh, it didn't work out in the sense of um, Alberto taking time, but for me personally to have that kind of uh, respect and and trust from uh, from a leader like uh, Contador and and then being able to execute exactly what he asked of me I think that was for me a highlight of the season okay one of the last uh, legendary race of the season is Lombardia uh, you've raced Lombardia how was it for you yeah it was actually the uh, first and hopefully only race in the season I didn't finish so okay. uh, <laughs> it uh, I actually I had pretty good legs but it is a very hard race and but was uh, it planned yeah, it, it was planned. Um, yeah. Don't reveal all your secrets, but it was planned. <laughs> yeah, it was planned. I mean, uh, I've had a really long season and uh, the team uh, said to me that uh, I wasn't going to race uh, in Lombardia anymore and I kept insisting that I really wanted to go. Uh, so they said, all right, you're allowed to go. You're just working for the team. When you've done your job, you're done and, and, and you get off the bike. Um, we, I think we did as a team a pretty good race there. We had Bauke Mollema as the leader. One point after a descent, uh, pretty early on before the Madonna del Gisallo, it uh, it split, and uh, we were maybe thirty guys in the first group. And Bauke said, "Okay, uh, it split, right, full gas." So I just rode uh, into the bottom of uh, of Gisallo uh, as hard as I could, and uh, straight away got dropped and turned off and took the shortest way to Como. Okay. Uh 
It is great, though, that the team has obviously wanted to preserve you because they've now obviously put you right up their food chain. They know that you're going to play a pivotal role going into next season, and particularly, uh, Christoph, with the Grand Tour teams coming shrinking in size down to eight riders, it's going to be critical to have a rider like Kun who can perform a lead-out but also help in the uh, harder stages for a GC rider. So it's a really important skill to for all riders to start to craft themselves now that that uh, Grand Tour team size is shrinking absolutely uh, how did you um, see all those uh, this, this this incredible crash that happened at Lombardia I mean from from a, a, a professional rider uh, point of view uh, that's scary enough for you for us yeah it must be scary enough for you as well to yeah see this. yeah absolutely um, uh, by by that time I was already out of the race I didn't actually see the crash um, when I got to the bus it had already happened uh, but uh, yeah, they, I think they showed uh, replay about uh, 66 times. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I did. I did get to see it. It was. Uh, it was definitely scary. It's one of those turns uh, where you, know, you go full gas. You you think it's an easy corner, and all of a sudden it turns on itself, uh, and you got you've got nowhere to go. It's and that road is uh, particularly dangerous with uh, with a lot of uh, of of uh, turns that really turn on themselves and uh, and lots of barriers and everything. And unfortunately, there's there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, I do think that maybe it would have been good for uh, maybe a, a motorbike or something to stop there and tell the riders to slow down a little bit. Uh, maybe have a little bit more security around there, but. Eventually, crashes will happen anyway. Uh, but uh, this was a uh, was a bad one. What what aspect do you think uh, the actual race plays? If it was uh, just a low level race, do you think the riders would take the risk, or is it because it's in Lombardia and they're thinking, you know, there's a big result on, on the line here? They're saying I can really achieve. Is that what pushes those riders maybe beyond the limit just that little bit? Because normally in Lombardia we don't see those errors because of the the teams do such good recon, but it's seen this to you a fair few come unstuck yeah absolutely I, I think it is a bit of a difference uh, you know the, the world tour is really important and a lot of teams are looking for a couple of extra points to uh, to keep the position on the ranking or to uh, to go one up so that there there is definitely a little bit more at stake than uh, than in a smaller race on the other hand all races are important now and you see guys taking risks everywhere um, a big result in in any race is worth a lot now and and as she was saying before, the teams are shrinking and a lot of guys are counting that, you know, eventually there's going to be less riders on the team. So uh, you need to show something to, to stay on the team. And, and that means a few riders still don't have a job for next year and, and they also still want to show themselves. So if you've got a lot of uh, things at play and uh, and for sure when you get to the end of the season, there, there are some guys that, uh, that take a little bit more risk than, than normal. Okay, uh, we must uh, say that uh, Nibali won uh, Lombardia. Uh, second is Alaphilippe, and uh, Moscon finished third for Lombardia. And uh, Moscon is the first rider in the history of cycling to do all five monuments and finish. Well, that's a fact. That is a fact, and also <laughs> uh, he, he pulled off a few other spectacular things this year that he won't be so much liked for, but he's definitely uh, the rider for the future and probably uh, the first Italian for quite a while to uh, take out Paris-Roubaix sometime in the future. Hey, do you guys think that uh, we are at a pivotal pivotal time in cycling at the minute, that there's a whole generation that has moved on, like Contador, but we had Tom Bounen that retired. There's a lot of bigger riders that are all retired. Are we seeing a new generation is that a pivotal time yeah i think it started a few years ago um where uh, riders that i think are going to 
really win a lot of races like Tom Dumoulin uh, uh, he, he is already obviously at the top for for a few years now You're not patriotic at all anyway. uh, <laughs> no no not at all it's also a good mate of mine but uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah there's there's definitely some some young guys coming through uh, with uh, Alaphilippe he's also already been there for for a couple of years and and these guys are definitely going to start winning the big races uh, Tom now already has but I'm sure Alaphilippe will uh, within uh, within a few years also win a lot of the big races and then you get indeed riders like Moscon and and some more super talents that I hear are coming over from uh, from the under 23 category so I think uh, within a few years and uh, you know Valverde will be gone as well who has uh, always been one of the the main riders and and there will be guys that, that take their uh, their place I think the exciting thing is that these new riders we talk about Alaphilippe Dumoulin these guys are exciting and entertaining in their own way not similar really to what Conte or would do which like the Hail Mary style attacks but uh, very exciting riders all the same and uh, I think that's the important thing the key is that we continue to entertain the fans that are behind the television sets because that's going to make cycling successful uh, as an ecosystem Absolutely I will take a short break and then we come back we'll uh, try to understand why uh, Kundukot is here it's not just love so if you're into Zwift or even curious about it, check out Zwift Community Live on Facebook. Those guys, they're incredible. They live stream races, group rides, and commentate in real time across all the action. They also have previews for courses or grand fondos, e-fondos as it is on Zwift, that are super helpful so you can see what you'll be riding in full detail. Nathan Guira really brings all the action to life, and I've got to tell you, some of those live streams can be as exciting as real pro races. Check it out for yourself at Zwift Community Live on Facebook. Uh, welcome back to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, we're still here with Pat and Kun de Court. I said before uh, the break, Kun, you're here uh, for love because you uh, you met love here, uh, but not just love. Uh, you're doing the Melbourne to uh, Ronne Bull. Yeah. Why? Uh, <laughs> yes, a good question. A lot of people are asking me that. Um, I'm, I'm essentially doing a 280-kilometer race for fun. Yeah. Um, so it, it was actually, uh, we, we were trying to work out, uh, Caitlin, my wife and I, when we would be able to return to Australia. Uh, I've still got one race for the team to go in Japan, the Japan Cup, uh, that's uh, uh, next week. Uh, so um, I was just uh, trying to uh, to figure out when we could come over, and it was just that one one and a half week window that we managed to go to to Australia. And uh, as I was talking to a few of my mates, saying like, "Oh, you know, I'll be back in Australia this week," uh, they said, oh, "You know what? It's it's Melbourne to Warrnambool on that that weekend." <laughs> did you have to Google it, or did you know all about this race? Uh, actually, because I've been coming to Australia so often, uh, I definitely heard about it. Everybody <laughs> talks about the Melbourne to Warrnambool. It's it is like this, uh, this holy race, you know, the, the special one in Australia, and um, it, it was it was certainly on my bucket list. One day I wanted to do the Melbourne to Warrnambool. You just want a t-shirt. You just It's a medallion. Yeah, you get a medallion. I want the medallion. Yeah, and I think I think you got a very good chance of taking home more than just a medallion. But it does excite as a really good race this year, and a lot must be said about Cycling Victoria that's taken it on to make sure that the event went ahead. And I've got to. I tip my hat to Karen Jones as well because she's uh, done a lot of the logistical side to make it happen. But 
We've got an exciting uh, Melbourne Warnable this year. Last year, the breakaway went out to 20 minutes before we tried to catch from behind. Uh, you said we because you were Yeah, waiting. well, I was in that back group, and that's not where you want to be. You don't want to be 20 minutes behind. Um, and it was still a very exciting race. But this year, it just seems like with the National Road Series kicking off a little bit later, so started early, then they had a mid-season break, and then now the real uh, heart of the season's taking place. Most of those riders are in really good condition, and uh, particularly because now Australian cycling has more confidence Continental teams uh, had the exposure to longer racing in Asia. Um, I reckon we're going to have a really exciting finish to the race, and um, I've, I'm privileged to be able to commentate the finish, but also travel behind the bunch. So hopefully it is animated. I don't want to be 280 kilometres as a group uh, compato. Yeah, I, I hope it's still going to be a little bit easier on the motorbike behind than uh, <laughs> than it is in the, on the bike itself. Well, it should be because it's one hell of a race. And uh, and I've spoken to Kun before and uh, you before the show today, Christoph, and uh, I said about how the race, it, it really, you find a lot out about yourself as a rider. Uh, some riders may be very, you know, thereabouts in the National Road Series, but they cl- click over 200 kilometres an hour. They may find out something really new about themselves, that they've got this uh, capability of riding long distances. And um, you really do see talent unearthed in this race, but you've got to have uh, a bit of balls, as they say, to tackle it because 280k is no mean feat and it uh, doesn't matter what level it's at, 280k takes a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I noticed it as well in in the races that I do. All the big classics are all over 200 kilometers. The World Championships. Uh, obviously, we have one 280 kilometer race in the season as well with Milan San Remo, and um, even in Milan San Remo, I guess it it is fairly similar where it is very flat, maybe a little bit windy in the beginning, and then uh, at the end a little bit lumpy. I mean, these these hills uh, that we have in Milan San Remo, they don't really mean anything if you go there and you ride up the Poggio. You really think is is this it? But after 275 kilometers, uh, you do you do one sprint and uh, and that's it. You're done for the for the rest of the day. You you can't do anything anymore. And and there's definitely the difference. If you get over these 200 kilometers, uh, you you don't have uh, a lot of bullets left. Okay. And how exciting must that be for the all the other riders that know someone like Kun would be here? They must be uh, yeah buzzing on the fact that they will be riding with someone like Kun. Well, it's exciting to be riding with him. It's also exciting to have the challenge to to possibly beat him. Now, it's not to say that this is uh, 100% Kun's goal, but for a rider that wins this uh, Melbourne Warnable, albeit if it's not Kun, We'll uh, be able to put that behind that victory as well. Already, it is hail, it's, the, uh, it's the holy grail for, for Australian domestic cyclists to win this bike race. And uh, to do it with uh, such company would be uh, a, an even bigger highlight because in the past, the Europeans used to come out, but not so much now. And um, so not only for the riders, but definitely for the event organisers, it, it's huge coup to have uh, Kun uh, taking part in this uh, year's edition. It's a bit like uh, at the Tour de France when our podcast has beaten Lance Armstrong's podcast, you know? That was like, yeah. Yeah, We've well, done co- it. Yes. Bucket, bucket, talk about the bucket list. <laughs> yes, talk about a bucket list item. That's one right there. <laughs> What's your target on the on the race? Have fun and then yes. potentially win it. Well, I definitely want to have fun. I, I as I said, I just really wanted to race it one day. Uh, it seems like it should be good weather, so uh, uh, I uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to enjoy it. And I haven't won a lot of races uh, in, in in my whole career, so I'm definitely not expecting to win the race. 
Um, I'm just gonna gonna see what I can do, have some fun, but uh, I'll certainly give it a crack. Okay, we wish you best of luck, and uh, you'll be commentating. Uh, I'm extremely excited about it. I'm already picturing last the 35 kilometers, but uh, those I, can, that, I can see it in your eyes. But yours. those <laughs> are, that are looking at the weather report, you know, the the weather itself from the sky is going to be nice, but light winds. I've never heard of light winds uh, in that open uh, country. But uh, the duchy to my left uh, will love a little <laughs> bit of side wind coming across the front hub. Absolutely. Uh, I grew up with that uh, open uh, country, uh, lots of wind. It's my kind of racing. Absolutely. Uh, in other news, and just to conclude this podcast, uh, we've got a tour of Turkey uh, going on. It's actually streaming on the uh, SBS Cycling Central website. It's free, so you should watch it because it's very interesting uh, and very interesting because there's some uh, record-breaking happening at the Tour of Turkey. Well, yes, for 2017, Sammy B or Sam Bennett, Uh, from Bora Hansgro. He is the only rider this year to win three straight stages in a World Tour event, albeit just four World Tour teams taking part in Tour of Turkey, but it's always an entertaining race. And probably the reason that he's getting these victories is that the uh, flying mullet from uh, from uh, New Zealand is back after a bit of a delay and he's with injury all year and uh, looks like he's hitting the ground running. That's uh, Shane Archibald. And his lead-outs have been phenomenal this week in Turkey. So I know there's not a lot of World Tour teams there, but uh, looks like he's secured a contract, I think, with uh, these last few days of the season. And we were talking about that earlier. It's all so vital, your, your uh, efforts towards the end of the season when uh, those spots are really getting down to one or two spots remaining. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shane's a great guy as well. I, uh, I see him around in, uh, in Girona where I spend some time. And uh, he's had a really, really rough season, uh, basically no season so far. So uh, I'm glad he's back and uh, it was good to see him do a couple of good lead outs. But uh, I think uh, it's now time to uh, let uh, that guy that keeps finishing second win one stage. Since we were last on air, also uh, relatively big news, Rachel Nalen is moving to Movistar. That's, that's a great move for her. Great move for them as well. They can't just have Spanish riders on their team. It's going to struggle to expose the team, but um, it's great. It's a great opportunity for her too. She's an experienced rider. She'll have a leadership role there, maybe not as in going for victories, but definitely as a captain on the road. Um, and I think it's a fantastic move for her to move outside of uh, a system which has been a little bit of a, a sort of a comfort blanket for her at uh, Orica Scott. Uh, women cycling in uh, the Netherlands is huge. Uh, you've had some amazing su success. Do you do you mingle with uh, with those riders? Um, oh, we we do see them occasionally, but not too often. Um, I have to say, with uh, with Giant now Sunweb, they did that really well, where the men and women team are together for uh, the team camps and, and and team presentations and that sort of stuff. Uh, with my Trek Segafredo team, uh, that's not the case. We don't have a women's team uh, at the moment. Who knows that might change in the next few years. Uh, but um, of course, I, I see uh, the the girls at the World Championships and the European Championships where we are staying at uh, at the same hotel and uh, and talk to these girls and um, yeah, I think in, in the Netherlands, obviously they do a great job uh, with uh, Marianne Vost uh, still winning races, but not as dominant anymore as she used to be. Uh, it's good to see that uh, that there are some uh, some girls coming up who can do. Uh, a really good job as well and uh, and win a lot of races. Was it uh, party time in uh, the Dutch camp in the World Championship when uh, the women won the World Championship? Uh, I, I've heard that there was a pretty big party for them. Uh, <laughs> not for you guys, of course. <laughs> no, not for us. Uh, well, it was, uh, we, we did have a, a few drinks on uh, Sunday night. I have to say though, uh, in Norway, uh, it's extremely expensive to go and have a drink, but uh, we, we still had a few and, uh, and there were actually a couple of girls that were still there. And um, yeah, they they came with us, so it was actually quite nice. There's definitely good vibe in the Dutch team there. As, yeah, as a nation, you've done amazingly well. 
Yeah, just uh, just a road race uh, where uh, where I was in. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, the race was really good. Just the result. Yeah. Um, two guys in the first group, and uh, they decided not to sprint. So yeah. that was uh, was interesting. <laughs> big big shout out to my best mate Johan van Antwerpen. He's a big fan of you. He's uh, from Netherlands as well. So great. Uh, he loved it. Uh, last, uh, actually not last uh, one, but last uh, news. Uh, Cycling Australia has been formalized. Uh, there's a push towards the track, uh, despite the push towards the, the road. Formalised is a great way to put yep. it because we all <laughs> knew that it was coming. And look, this is the direction in which uh, the people that have been elected or uh, employed to make the decisions have made. So we need to just hope that it's the the right one. Namely, uh, Jones? Well, Simon Jones, he's mm-hmm. got his directive as well, and Nick Green. Nick Green has okay. been elected to, to, to fulfil that uh, role uh, and uh, will it be the right decision? Well, it, it probably will win gold medals. And does it uh, reflect uh, how the members of Cycling Australia want it to? Well, we're not quite sure. There's a lot of people that are questioning that. But I don't question the other things that are going on in the background. There's a lot of things domestically that are really healthy for cycling. And uh, and hopefully we'll hear about those things as well very soon. And also they should reflect well on the overall project. When you say very soon, we're talking uh, Commonwealth Games coming? Well, that, do you think this is where we're going to or we expect to see some results? I think we've already seen the effect of this plan in the previous three to four months anyways and particularly leading into the Road World Championships which we had the obvious uh, controversy of the selection of less uh, women for the women's team than the spots that were, had been earned. But uh, I think uh, by the time we go through our national championships in the summer, we'll have a better idea of what road cycling for Cycling Australia uh, entails as well and and maybe that in in fact... Even though it is towards the track, this this vision it could reflect positively on all aspects of cycling. Absolutely, and one last news: we're going to finish on a very positive note. Uh, Peter Sagan will be here for the Tour Down Under again. I would say uh, I was excited when I read that news. Um, I guess you probably were as well, because that's an amazing news for the Tour Down Under for Australia. Well, and cycling uh, in the summer in Australia. So we already have such an amazing uh, uh, calendar of events. And this just shows that the riders of the highest calibre are wanting to come out here. They enjoy the sunshine. Peter, he enjoys also a little bit of the wildlife I've seen in the past. He, mm-hmm. he really gets into the mood of it. And I think that's what's great about it. Albeit the investment that it costs to probably get him out here, he gives back just as much. There's so. an amazing photo with uh, Catherine, Catherine, our producer, Catherine Willen. Uh, she bumped into him with a dog. And there's a photo of him and, and Catherine and the dog just bumping in the street of Sydney. With a little whippet. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Corn, you've seen the effect that uh, Sagan has on, on races and uh, um, mainly from a, a fan's perspective. Uh, he really does bring up the level of cycling ex- exposure. Yeah, absolutely. He is definitely a, a cycling superstar and uh, the kind of personality uh, that I think is really good for cycling. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, now and then has his uh, controversy in the in the races. Uh, he got thrown out of the Tour de France, for instance. But uh, the, just the way he handles himself and he handles uh, the the public defense, uh, I think that is really good. And, and I'm glad that he comes out to Australia you know the the bigger the bus in in Australia for uh, for for cycling is the better it is for for me and for all of us I guess so uh, I'm very happy to see that he's back. Yeah, and you Tour Down Under? Uh, well, I, I I will definitely be there again. I uh, uh, I will I think I'll be there every year and from now on uh, as long as I can. 
Uh, I really love that race. It's uh, it's a great race, and um, I, I will definitely also be doing uh, the Cadell Evans uh, road race after. And I really and hope that you might be doing the Jaco Herald Sun Tour too. I'd love to see <laughs> Trek Segrafato turn up uh, and uh, and show their colours around uh, the country of Victoria and through into hopefully Melbourne. Oh yeah, I would love to be at uh, what I can say my is my home race. I think so. Uh, I, I'm I'm definitely pushing in that direction. There you go. The word is out. It's been brilliant to have you uh, in the show. I know you're just uh, gonna go for another ride, uh, get training for that Melbourne to Warrnambool. Uh, Kun de Court, thank you so much for just come to uh, the program today. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, had a great time. Thank you, Pat. Uh, we'll see you next time. Well, <laughs> it's a, it's the best podcast when we can lure in uh, potentially the Melbourne Warrnambool winner. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and this is it for this Cycling Central podcast, the Zwift Cycling Central podcast for this week. Uh, remember that you can download or stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash central from our website, sbs.com.au slash central, or schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. The event this week is, of course, you can follow, as I said during this podcast, the Tour of Turkey that is available on the SBS On Demand or our website. This is it for today. All is left to say is goodbye for now and we'll see you next time. Bye for now.